Arizona straight to the line. There's the snap to Murray. Murray looks left, pumps once, looking, looking. A lot of time. Now he throws, and it's intercepted by the Lions. Picked off down the left sideline. Oromorier picks up a block at the 30, 25, 20, Amani 10, 5, and he's spun out of bounds right there. I see you, 24. I see you. Welcome to the 20 Minute in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft post-game edition. PJ Clark, as always, post-game is with me here. And PJ, as Dan Miller just said, we know what we're going to get from Imani Oriwarie, right? Starter, six interceptions, third in the NFL last year. But I think we got a little bit of clarity on who's going to be starting opposite Imani Oriwarie in a couple weeks when Philadelphia comes to town. Definitely did. Definitely a big day for the secondary, I think, against the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and their first-team offense with a lot of good offensive weapons. Definitely got some more clarity on that side. Yeah, and I think it's Jeff Okuda. I think it's kind of been trending that way for the last two weeks. You know, he really um, you know, kind of caught my eye in Indy with some of the plays he made. And really, going on the last two weeks, I thought he separated himself in that competition with Will Harrison. You look at today – had a, a really key pass breakup on a third down play that forced a, um, you know, a, a Steelers field goal. Um, had a tackle for loss. W- 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 played really well. I he thought Deshaun. I thought Deshaun Elliott played really well out there, and and that's really good sign for this Lions secondary. And here's what Dan Campbell had to say after the game about uh, Jeff Okuda. I thought he did some good things. I feel like he's been trending in the right direction now for two weeks. Um, so I would say he finished up strong, and, uh, and and he's going in the right direction. Is it fair to say he's your starting quarterback? Uh, yeah, I would say that. I would say it's looking like that. You know, there's there's nothing after these two weeks to tell me that that, uh, that that's not his job right now. And And really, I agree. You know, like I said before, he's kind of separated himself. And, and, and look, PJ, if, if Jeff Okuda – is the player that the Lions drafted number three overall in 2020. It's never been a question about him physically, right? All the attributes are there. You're not the number three pick without having all that. It's obviously being available. The best ability is availability, right? Yep. That hasn't been, you know, the that has, hasn't been Jess Forte the first two years, obviously because of the core muscle injury as a rookie. And then, you know, he tears his Achilles week one last year. But, look, he's put his head down. He said all the right things, and he's just kind of performed. He separated himself, and if he can be that player, this line secondary is so much better. I talked to Deshaun Elliott and Tracy Walker afterward, and I asked them, you know, what if, what if, what if Jeff's, you know, really good? What if Jeff is that guy? And, you know, they both said, boy, our secondary is so much better yeah, for that. Yeah, a lot of this changes because then you're talking about cornerback – Amani's contract situation notwithstanding, but cornerback might become a strength with those two where it was a big question mark entering camp, and I would still think it's a question mark at this point until you see Jeff in a real game action. But if he starts turning the corner, a lot of this can change. And like we talked about the top two, I, I, that defense played really well, I thought. I was really impressed. With the first team yeah. defense and put into a couple bad situations because of you know, the Tim Boyle interception. I think they started at the 19 after that. They went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. Steelers start at the 26, I think, and, and both three and outs by this defense. Secondary making plays. Um, you know, this defensive line has been trending in the right direction. The secondary played really good to end the preseason. Still a couple question marks with, with the linebackers, but I thought they played well too. And, you know, really when – Training camp started, I thought, okay, I think this offense has a chance to be pretty pretty good. Yeah. And I think it's looked that way, and you would agree, through yep. camp. 
the defense was slow to start. They've picked it up here, and I think that that correlates with Deshaun making plays, with Jeff playing really mm-hmm. well, with Aiden getting comfortable. I was going to say that, that was the biggest thing for me was the the starting defensive line, especially. You got a taste of what everybody's been talking about this whole time when they ran out that NASCAR package and they had Hutchinson and Kaminsky on the inside shooting against guards and Hutch and Charles Harris on the edge combined they for just a meet big right sack. at the quarterback. That's right? exactly what you drew up. This That's whole exactly time. what you drew up. Yeah. And, and Aiden gives them some versatility and it really helps them up front, but this is a tough time. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's cut time. Obviously this was a big game for a lot of people who, are fighting for starting jobs. The nickel cornerback job comes to mind. We saw Mike Hughes and um, uh, A.J. Parker, you know, both playing with the first team. And and Dan said, hey, that's still kind of working itself out. I think ultimately it'll be A.J. week one. But Mike Hughes has made that a competition. But there's tough roster decisions to maybe be made. And this is how Dan Campbell opened his press conference post-game. And and I agree with him. This is the toughest time of the year. You know, this is... uh we're sitting at 80 and we got to get to 53 and it's uh, that is the worst part of this job one of the worst parts um it's hard for these guys that have given everything they've had and uh you know they laid it on the line um and done everything you, that you've asked and it and it just some of these is, guys it's not going to work out and it's hard um but hopefully they've got enough exposure if it's not with us it's with another team and that's where I think the difference this year, maybe versus last year, is I think we're oh, gonna yeah. we're gonna see some guys that don't make this initial fifty three. And again, it's important to say initial fifty three because the Lions have the number two spot on the waiver claim wire. Yep. And so you get down to your initial fifty three on Tuesday. Well, the claim period starts Wednesday. Let's say there's a quarterback, there's somebody else, you know, that that the Lions view might be an upgrade at their spot. So it's always key to say the initial 53 because there could be some movement, especially with the Lions having the number two spot behind Jacksonville. Um, and I think probably the position that comes to mind, and I don't know if you, you're thinking something else, Peach, but to me, that waiver claim period, I think all eyes on the quarterback position, right? I think I, first and foremost, I think it has to be, especially after – how today went with both guys getting a lot of reps and playing, you know, each getting a half and trying to figure figure things out that way, getting reps with the ones, both of them, which didn't seem like was the plan going in, and then they adapted to give David Blau reps with the ones. But I think whatever young possible quarterback that might get placed on waivers in the next 48 hours could find a home in Detroit. Yeah, and I think – you know, Brad and Dan will definitely take a look. You you mentioned both getting reps with the starters. Um, you know, Tim Tim Boyle, three of eight, 25 yards with an interception and a 6.8 passer rating when playing with the starters. Just didn't look comfortable, didn't look in rhythm. It was a bad interception. Just didn't move the ball in, in the offense and put them in scoring position. Now, now, David didn't do, you know, much better. Four of seven for 50 yards, 79.5 pass rating, not bad. Um, and then, you know, Tim comes back and, and starts the second half, and he finishes the game five of 15 for 64 yards with that interception, 19.9 passer rating in a game where you're fighting, um, you know, for, for you know, your, your job with this team. And I thought, you know, David made some plays late, had the late touchdown, you know, finished 17 to 32 for 160 yards and a touchdown, 77.6 passer rating, not bad. Um, but again, it was that, you know, working with the first team, right? That's to me what you had to look at there because if something happens to Jared Goff, that's those, what you're going to get. That's what you're getting. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be playing against second team 
guys, you're going to be playing against J.J. Watt and, and those guys. And, you know, I thought David was a little bit better. I think if it's me, um, it, it, it's probably, you know, David's job initially. And then we see what happens with the waiver wire. You know, we asked Dan Campbell after the game about that very thing. This is what Dan Campbell said about David Blau and Tim Boyle. Here's what I would say is I, I think uh, it became very clear. I think we got things answered, and I would leave it at that. And he would leave it at that. And then he was pressed. Does that mean that one of those guys, your backup quarterback, is on this roster, or are you guys going to take a look? And look, Dan Campbell um, you know, declined to answer that. But, but that clarity to me is interesting, right? I mean, what do you take from that clarity? I, I think the clarity is that, and this is something that I think – at this stage of where the Lions are, not necessarily expecting to really, really compete yet, you're still kind of in a rebuilding stage that I think you should look every time somebody comes up on a waiver wire. I still think you're at that stage where you can always be adding talent from other teams, and they did that a couple times last year. They claimed Kaderil Hodge in the initial in the initial waiver claim period after the 53-man cuts, and he played a lot. But I think the, the clarity is that, you know, there might be a better option somewhere. Somebody else might have a third quarterback that's better than your two, your backup and your third string quarterback, whatever order you want to put those two in after today. And if that guy gets cut, then you, you have a chance to make an upgrade, which I, I, I think is what they're looking for. And I don't know what Dan's clarity is, but my clarity, at least from watching every practice of training camp, from watching the preseason – is that I thought David Ball probably played a little bit better than Tim Boyle. He just looked more comfortable, I think. And I think he just, when, when things break down, you look at the play he made along the sideline on the fourth down, the shovel to, mm-hmm. to get it out. Um, you know, the, obviously the touchdown to Quintez Cephas. Um, you know, there and there's some plays, look, where, you know, the sack, he's got to either throw that ball away or just get rid of it. You can't take that sack there. So there's obviously some, some things that he needs to do better. But when you're looking for a play, it just... Tim Boyle never really, to me, stepped up and made that play no. where, where David did. And now I agree with you 100%. You know, you've got to look and evaluate, and if there's options there, then you need to reevaluate. But my clarity, at least through training camp in the preseason, is that David Blau probably won the backup job. We'll see Tuesday if that's the case or not. Maybe Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell think otherwise. But that's my clarity, and then we just have to see where it goes from there. Yeah, I think it's. I think whatever happens is is definitely going to be – impacted by who hits the wire at four o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. One other take for me from Pittsburgh is the offensive line. You know, obviously we've talked all camp about that being a strength and, and, you know, possibly being one of the best offensive lines in football. Now, look, you didn't have Jared Goff. You didn't have DeAndre Swift. You didn't have Jamal Williams. And things are probably a little bit different with those guys. But, you know, I was a little bit disappointed. I don't know about you, Peach, but I was a little bit disappointed in in the way they weren't able to kind of move the Steelers around. And, look, that's a really good Steelers Mm -hmm. front with T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and some of those other guys. You know, that's one of the better ones in the league. But the Lions are expected to be one of the best ones, too, on their side. And I was a little disappointed. There were a couple holding calls, you know, you allowed a couple sacks. You know, a couple of those sacks were maybe on the quarterback, not so much the, the offensive line. But I was a little bit disappointed. I thought those guys would, would move, you know, guys a little bit more, yep. would create some lanes for some, some running backs. I have to go back and watch the film. Maybe there's a cut that a running back missed, and, and you always see that on, on the second tape. But just watching it live – 
a little disappointed with those guys. Nothing to raise huge red flags because, like I said, you didn't have your cornerback. You didn't have um, your, your your top running back. And so that just changes the dynamic of mm-hmm. the offense. Maybe Goff knows where to go, gets you into a better play, whatever that might be, knows the offense better. But I was a little bit disappointed just on, on first take. I feel like the Bolts – both teams. It was not necessarily a very disciplined game with all of the penalties. penalties. It, it nobody seemed like comfortable. No, and and especially when you're talking about that offensive line, a unit that did not play at all together last year, played one series in Atlanta. This is their second time. I think it was important together. that they played today. I, and again, I think that's going to be great film for yeah. them. Just just figure it out. Like even on, on that first drive, Panay got beat pretty bad against T.J. Watt. Just. Did not get out of his stance fast. That was a tough block for him. Exactly. I think that's just, you know, there you go. It's on tape against the best edge rusher in the league. And and you see it and you visualize it and you go, how can we be better against, you know, a a good Philadelphia defensive line as well? I thought the running backs all vying for kind of that that third and fourth spot. They all put something pretty good. They all showed up They all put something good on tape. I think that's going to be a tough decision. Um, Going off that, the kick returning. The running backs doing the kick returning was interesting. that was interesting, too. And Dan said earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, that, look, if there's a tie, if it's close, his tiebreaker is special teams. And it's not even a close decision. It's it's special teams. That's it. And so I thought it was interesting. Look, you know what Godwin Igbubuke is going to do as a kick returner. He was tied for seventh um, in in average kickoff returns last year. And and he did that in the regular season. Mm And, and Dave Phipp, who we talked to last week, said, look, when, when I'm looking at stuff, I, I, I take, you know, value the, the regular season versus the preseason, which is why I don't think we saw Godwin doing a lot of kick returns because he knows what he's got there. Yep. Um, you know, Justin Jackson, I thought, had a couple nice returns via, you know, a penalty on, on, on his one long one. We don't know, you know, if that's one of the reasons why he sprung it, but I thought he looked good there. He was good catching the ball. He was good in space. I Did think he's looked good. This whole time. He has. Has he, has, he, has he done enough to supplant Godwin? Because I think we can maybe both agree that, that Greg Reynolds is pro- Craig Reynolds is probably that number three That's guy. That's what it feels like. At least I would be surprised if he was I would be surprised, too, because it's kind of been that way all camp. Yeah. I think really the decision will be between Godwin and Justin Jackson, and, and I, I think that'll be an interesting conversation that, that Brad and Dan and the coaching staff is going to have. And that's... That's where it's going to come in. Like Godwin, obviously, is a former safety, can play all four phases of special teams, can be a, a plus tackler for you. But Justin Jackson, and we talked about it a little bit last weekend in Indy, that's a guy who's been around the league, has played a lot, has been a, a you know a handcuffed backup for an elite running back in Austin Eckler and, and performed when he got opportunities in Los Angeles. And that's a guy that you, know, you brought in a week into camp and just has made plays ever since getting here. And I think the tough decision there, too, is I don't know if Godwin and Justin clear waivers. You know, I, I, that'll be an interesting yeah. one because there's that that regular season tape on Godwin. People know what he can do mm-hmm. in terms of a kick return. He made a few plays late in, in the year last year, both catching the football and, and some runs. And then, like you just talked about with, with Justin, he's a guy that's kind of proven. He's pro-proven, right? Yeah. He's been able to do it. So, Doe, does that factor in at all? Which one you think may? hopefully clears waivers I don't think so I think you just choose the best guy and you hope the other guys there to put on the practice squad still develop and be that guy still keep them in the system keep them in the system because um I think they can both help you but that will be a really interesting decision that one in in the nickel cornerback spot to me are the two that'll be really yeah. interesting I think both guys are on the team in terms of the nickel spot 
but who is lined up week one in that sub package, which you're in 70% of the time now. Like, that guy's a starter in the league, mm-hmm. just with how the league has grown and developed and, and how sub packages are such a huge part of it. And it's even, you know, you're putting tight ends in the slot now. You're putting that, and that's where if he, once he gets back on the field, is going to be really big, is you're kind of big nickel. It's been what he's been dubbed this whole time, but you're putting, you know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, those those guys play out of the slot all the time. You got to have somebody that that is able to lock down that spot. Yeah, so that'll be really really interesting. It was it was an interesting day. I think the tape is going to be really interesting. There's a lot of things to clear up. My overall takes, um, you know, it's hard to judge the offense without Jared Goff, without DeAndre Swift. So I give that one a little bit of a pass. I'm very encouraged with the defense. I thought they played really well. I thought they played good last week in Indianapolis during the joint practices. They've been trending up. A bunch of guys on that defense have been trending up. And that's, you know, that's a spot I feel a lot better about than I did maybe one week, two week into camp. What do you think? Yeah, and I I think especially against the the Detroit starters versus the Pittsburgh starters. Once they they left the starters in a little bit longer and, and... they took advantage of the second-team defense. Trubisky drove down the field on the second-team defense and, and had a lot more success than he had against Detroit's first-team defense. I think the starters versus the starters was very encouraging because outside of that one deep shot to Deontay Johnson, who's a 1,000-yard receiver and an elite top-tier guy, and he's going to get... And that was a perfect kind of throw. It was a great throw, and, and outside of that, it was, you know... Najee didn't do much. Pat Fryermuth didn't do anything. Pickens didn't do anything. All of these stars across the board had a, had a tough time. And that's a great sign because I think that was the big question mark coming into the season. So, you know, now obviously the focus shifts to Tuesday. The Lions have to go from 80 to 53 by 4 o'clock Tuesday. The waiver wire starts on Wednesday. You can establish a 16-man practice squad. And we should also say, look, I love the fact that the veteran rules – um, as it applies to the practice squad, are no longer you know guys that have vested years. This team too. A guy like Justin Jackson, a guy like yeah. you know some of the offensive linemen or whatever it is. Um, it's not just going to be young guys that you want to develop. I think there's some guys you know if they don't get claimed that you can put there that have some vested years that can come in and and help you right away if if you suffer some injuries at a certain position. So. Look, Beach, it's going to be it's, – it's a crazy week. As Dan Campbell said, as you heard, you guys heard the audio, it's also a tough week. And, look, I think those decisions are probably starting right now on the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dan's going to get with Brad tomorrow. He wants to get with the coaches, and then they've got to make their final decisions. We'll have it all for you, obviously, on DetroitLions.com. We'll be covering it all week. We'll uh, put the podcast out this week, probably more based on, on cuts and just what that roster looks like. So be on the lookout for that, and then look. Two weeks, we got football for real, right? We got Philadelphia coming in, and and it starts. So, busy week in Allen Park. Uh, We will be there all week to break it down for you guys. Thank you for joining the 20 Minute in the Huddle podcast. We'll have much more over the next week.